judgments. Now then, sometimes the rocking starts, and sometimes you start rocking. For our next story, a special collaboration you are not going to believe, Snap Music Master Pat Masidi Miller drops Snap Nation across the pond. The other pond. Zim Heavy. It sounds like this. It was a rock and roll movement that shook Zimbabwe during the 1970s. And it was huge. Stadiums, festivals with 60,000 fans going crazy for this rock music. It was popular and it was loud. And the sound echoed through the entire nation. Now to understand what it was, you have to know where it came from. See, in the 1970s, Zimbabwe wasn't Zimbabwe. It was Rhodesia. And to be honest, it was a country in crisis. They had just defected from British colonial rule, but no other country in the world actually recognized them as a legitimate nation. And what's more, it was now under the rule of a white minority government that used an apartheid-like system to oppress and disenfranchise the black majority. And I remember as a kid running around with buckets of water to douse the tear gas canisters that the police were, were, were throw the tear gas canisters would go and That's Eba Chitambo. He's the founder of one of the biggest groups out of the heavy scene. It was tough. It was tough. We were looked down on and we had to struggle for everything that we needed to do. I remember we played a couple of restaurant gigs that we did in the white areas. Break time, they wouldn't allow us to go into the crowd where to go, like sit in the kitchen or in the backyard. Guess they thought we weren't good enough to share like uh, toilets and things with the white people and that. Only go on stage when it's our set time and after that, out of the club, we're gone. What would happen if you did try to go there? <laughs> you don't try that, huh? First you'd get kicked. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't go through the door. The bouncers would kill you if you weren't wicked there. Blacks were confined to their own townships. It was there that Ebba grew up and fell in love with rock and roll as soon as he heard it. My mother had a, a gramophone. You know those wind-up gramophone things? And she brought a... Elvis Presley 78 record, those vinyl things, and I was spending so much time listening to that that she broke it up. <laughs> we had what was called the youth clubs in the, in the townships. There was like a couple of guitars. After school, we'd go there to while away time. And when he wasn't practicing guitar, he was at the local township halls where he could watch bands play live. You know, when these other groups used to come around and play in our wood, I'd be there helping them carry the equipment, helping them set up. They would let me into the gig for free. Instead of dancing like the other people, I'd be sitting and watching what they were doing. I used to sit and watch the bassist, and I used to feel very, very bad that I couldn't get hold of a guitar like that. So we ended up building our own from an acoustic guitar. For a bass, 
Ebba managed to rig up an acoustic guitar with those thick strings used for an upright bass. That was my guitar. <laughs> How did it sound? It sounded good. Actually sounded good. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it sounded like that. That's how I learned. And then one night at a local club, watching from the crowd. Uh, the drummer was drunk, was too drunk to play. And the people started getting rowdy. So they asked the audience, who can play? I said, I can play, I can play. They said, come sit and play. I'd never, I'd never touched a drum set before. <laughs> so I went and did a few songs with them. I was amazed I could play. They wanted me to continue. I think I did four or five songs and I couldn't carry on because I was actually shaking. How did I do that? <laughs> and that night was the birth of his career as a drummer. He never got formal training.